0: Afternoon, we're still talking about that Sabbath. Uh, in verse chapter Fifty Eight, Thirteen. it says, If thou turn away thine foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasures on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall thou honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thine father, for the mouth of the Lord had spoken it. So we hear here talking about the Sabbath again, and I'm not here a lot of the stuff you know you hear on the Sabbath. It's arguing back and forth. A lot of them go against the seven-day Adventists. I talk about Herbert Armstrong about the Sabbath day, uh, but God's people—not to be argumentative, a debate on it. As Isaiah said, some go see and not see, and hear and not hear, and not understand. So we're not talking to the ones that don't understand or whatever. We're here in a teaching process, and a preaching process, walking by faith in God. Faith through Jesus Christ, the faith of Jesus Christ. Today I want to look at that Sabbath. It says, if thou delight thyself in his Sabbath, and turn away our foot from the Sabbath. Uh, God reserved the Sabbath for spiritual things. In Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Thank God, just to drive this point down a little bit more, I want to read that in the Amplified Version. It says, Then God said, Let us, that is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. Not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. The reason I said that, they put that in italics there, saying it's not part of the text, but it's what is meant or brought out in the text because... We see the Sun would be the only one with that likeness in the image of God that we can say a physical resemblance of God. Yes. Yes. Whereas let me finish reading it though, it says, Let him have complete authority over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, you know, and it goes on to say the same thing that the uh, King James said. But the goal set down of human life at the very beginning when he created mankind in the Garden of Eden, we see, and I keep telling you about dual, dualism, about dual prophecies and what God's doing. Many commentators and things opine of, of the opinion that the word image and likeness are essentially synonyms in Hebrew meaning that human beings generally look like God. We're making his image and his likeness. But doing that, when they do that, when they combine both words, image and likeness, they limit God's creativity to merely a physical being. See, because we see when man did die, that there was a physical death and there was a spiritual death. He died that day, His separation from God came that day. But his physical death followed some 900, you know, much later. We don't know at what point in his time that he did fall or whatever. But Adam lived some 900 some days. I don't think it happened at the very beginning of man's time in the garden. So we know it could have been hundreds of years uh, since that Adam died physically. But we know he was thrown out of the garden. He was cast out of the garden and the ground was cursed for his sake the gospel declares that God's plan for every person is much more grander and quite spiritual in nature that he's not just making man he wants to make a new man that's why we're a new creation in Christ Jesus it wasn't limited to man because God can be man back to the dust of the earth from dust you come and from dust you, you you shall return. But then there are other men that God had called and chosen that will become spiritual beings. Now, they will have the image and likeness of God, if you want to use that terminology. But they'll also put off corruptible and put on incorruptible. That terrestrial body would become maybe a celestial body. In other words, it would be able to, like Jesus, pass through walls and things. You remember when Jesus came back, they felt him in in everything. But he says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So it was a different body he came back in. But he was in God's image and likeness. But he was a spirit. Now... These two words suggest that man's physical creation is only the first step in his two-part creative process. That's why we have the Sabbath, and I think people get lost when they tie it to a Jewish Sabbath. The Sabbath began at creation, and the Sabbath, it says, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, he says... Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. So God rested on the Sabbath, which was a pattern he was setting for us. His creative ability to continue to go on. Jesus even told the Pharisees they got mad at him for healing on the Sabbath. And it was John, the 5th chapter, the 16th or 17th verse. It says, the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews began to persecute Jesus continually because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them and says, My Father has been working until now. He never ceased working ever since creation, but the rest he was doing was a physical rest. And I don't know if I could get to that part in Hebrews where he says, some, because of unbelief, didn't enter into his rest. But now we can enter into his rest if we believe. Yes. So that cre- at creation, when he ceased to work and God rested, you, look, you see what Jesus says, his father continued to work and he had never ceased to work. It. Yes. But it was a spiritual work. The spirit being continues to work. That's where man got the Sabbath all kind of boxed in, tied up, legalized, misunderstood, and twisted all about. And the majority of the preachers, and 75% of what I've heard and listening, have been wrong. Mm-hmm. Christianity has it completely wrong ever since the time of Augustine when they moved that day because... Man doesn't have the ability to make a day holy. Mm-hmm. Only God has that ability to make a day holy. Yep. And if he sanctified one day and set it apart and hallowed that day and made it holy, man could come up with all kinds of philosophy about the resurrection in the first day and explain it away. But that's I, I can understand why a lot of people depart away from Christianity because over the wrong teaching, the error in teaching, and it's not plausible what they're saying. And so that causes a lot of people, except the very naive who don't understand and study and really search for God, they will accept that. But we can see where the preachers and the teachers are leading leading the people work. So Jesus says... He who had made the man went away, and he says he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, "My Father has been working until now; He never ceased working, and I am working too. So that's why, you remember, I told you Jesus did a, a good bit of His healing on the Sabbath day. Wasn't because these people, these people, a lot of them had chronic illnesses. In other words, illnesses that that they had had for years and things that could have waited to the next day or even the next week or uh, another time. You know, if he had been had the palsy all that time, if he was blind, if he had some chronic ailment, it could have waited one more day or whatever. But Jesus did these things to bring out a paradigm, a teaching point. In other words, that they had got to legalistic or they didn't understand the real or the true meaning of the sabbath and he had to put a human face on the sabbath or humanly what the sabbath was the living says jesus replied my father constantly does good and i'm following his example so you notice that the theme there it's Good to do good all the time. That's one of the things he says in Michael, you know what's required of you to do good to love justice. The purpose of the Sabbath that we it wasn't anything wrong with doing good, and if we can do good to do good. Two New Testament verses illustrate how we can understand the difference between likeness and image. The word likeness and image. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2.7 that Christ came in the likeness of men. Uh, in other words, in human form. That's how Christ came, in human form. I keep telling you that the Son was given. Yes. Thus, likeness conveys the sense of mankind looking like God. Humans are essentially God-like in bodily shape. So we know God doesn't look like a rhinoceros or some animal or not we're in the likeness of God in other words like that icon you see on your computer or something an image or a likeness or something but that the word image is different though God therefore used himself as a model for the creation of Adam so that's why he calls himself the second Adam or the second man yes. but Adam, he was the pattern for Adam as in the image. You know, he made man after his likeness. Now, in contrast, here Hebrews 1 and 3 tells us that Christ is the express image of the Father, of the person of the Father. Because you remember, and Johnny said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Yes. That wasn't meaning in likeness, in other words, shape, form, and character. It meant in character, and image. What I do, I, I'm the express image of the Father. This is the character. This is the disposition. This is the mind of God. If you've seen me, you've seen God. It yeah. didn't mean you physically had seen God. The Bible tells us no man can see God and live. He told Moses, you can't see, you can't see my glory. You can't see me and live. He, he had Moses in the cleft of a rock. The Greek word underlying image is charica. I can't pronounce it. And while it literally describes it impress on a coin, its figurative uses suggests express representation of another's nature. You remember I told you the essential, what the nature of a person. And that's what we, God's forming in us a new nature. It's nature. That's why it says, Let that mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. It's a transformative process that we're going through. He's making us in his image, in other words, with the mind of God. That's the image of God there. Image then speaks of God's non-physical qualities, such as his mind and uh, his personality. And his character. All of those things matter. To Christianity, those things doesn't matter anymore. You can look at what the nation's voting for politically and what the churches, the evangelical churches, are backing. A criminal, men without any character, could be pastors, presidents, governors. They don't have to have character. The church is not looking at image any longer. Lightness; they could look at someone that looks good. That's what the devil does. That's why his ministers are transformed into ministers of light because they're looking at images. I mean, lightness. They're not looking at images. Their character doesn't matter to the church in general anymore. Personality doesn't matter. That's the wickedness. That's the apostate church. Thus, though we are born in bodily likeness of God. He calls us to be converted to his spiritual image. There has to be a transformation form. There has to be true conversion. Most of the church is not being converted. That's why he says a many are called but only a few chosen. A many are not going through true conversion. Repentance is not preached in a majority of the churches nowadays. In terms of God's carrying out a dual creative process, Paul writes in Galatians 6.15, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor circumcision avails anything but a new creation. In Christ, God continues to create. That's why we are being renewed daily and we die daily in other words the old man the old nature and we are n- renewed in Christ Jesus if we be truly converted while God's physical creation of mankind ended on the sunset of the sixth day in Genesis 131 his spiritual creation was still ongoing and it will continue as long as there are human beings to be transformed into his image. Mm. See, that's why Jesus said, My Father doeth work, and he doeth yet work, because that process never stopped from the beginning of creating man in his image. The making, he stopped, because his likeness was the making of man in physical form, but the image kept going. Mm. That's why a lot of people that look at the Sabbath, and they try to tie it to the Jewish people in a Jewish Sabbath, a day of the week, and get all lost and tied up in the resurrection and everything else. But the Sabbath began at creation before the law. There was no law issued. Some 2,500 years before law. All of that before the time of Moses setting forth the Decalogue. The Sabbath was already there. That's why it says, remember the Sabbath. It's not in there as a commandment. It's part of the Decalogue. It's part of the Fourth Commandment. But it was at the beginning. It was part of creation. And Jesus always takes us back to the beginning. With marriage, he's told them it wasn't so at the beginning. God always brings us back to the beginning because man had perverted and changed and, and screwed a uh, screwed, a Twist it as they do Paul, they wrestle with the scriptures of Paul, they misconstrue scripture, they misinterpret scripture, and they twist it to their own philosophy. That's what they did with the Sunday Sabbath, saying the Lord, Lord's Day, and because he rose on the first day of the week, the resurrection, that's why it's the new Sabbath. Well, I think he would have put more of an emphasis. That he was saying that day that I sanctified, and made holy, is no longer sanctified and made holy because he said it was a perpetual Sabbath. That meant throughout eternity. Yes. So either we got two Sabbaths or somebody's not understanding they like Jeroboam, they've made another day. Each Christian is a new creation. What he is creating is the new man. Paul instructs us to put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Where the renewing, renewing coming from? The spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man which is created according to God in righteousness and and true holiness. That's the new man. But there be many preachers and prophets and teachers that come in to cause you to error from the way. And that's why he says you have no need of any man to teach you for God himself. The Father teaches you. That's why he gives you the spirit. Because if you follow a man, you, you may end up in a bad shape. But what happens? He sends preachers and teachers and everything to confirm his word to lead in God. So sometimes that's why you see people leave some churches or leave some particular teaching or whatever. As I tell you, Gerard Dees, who used to be with the Seven Day Adventist Church, I know he's no longer there because he's sort of like you know I followed him for, and I, I I don't know which direction he went to it. I hadn't heard of him no more, but. He said, follow the truth, follow God. See, because the churches, they cause divisions, they follow doctrine, and their doctrine contains leaven A many times. The Word of God is doctrine, but it's true doctrine. But Jesus said, beware of the Pharisees, for their doctrine contains leaven. You have to beware of these things. Paul's instructions, that's in Ephesians 4, 22-24. First he says to put off the old man, that is our sinful nature that has kept us separated from God and that does not live as Christ lives. And he says and put on the new man, that is an entirely different nature that reflects the very character and way of the life of God. Yes. This new man is a creation of God and has everything to do with righteousness and holiness. We have to pursue holiness. Holiness is a pursuit. And all of his commandments, his word is righteousness. That's what righteousness is. But he imputes his righteousness unto us so that we would have that God. He would be in us. The spirit is in us to lead us and guide us in the path of righteousness. In Ephesians 4 25 and 28, he provides a few examples of how this process works. He says, Therefore, putting away lying, each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we, for we are members one of another. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather, rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Now, notice that in these examples, we have a behavior to put off and a different behavior to put on. Now, some Christians, and I've been with them right in churches. I've been with them in this church. I've been with them. They lie. They lie. A Christian, a lie flat-footed in lie, and it says, no liar shall enter into the kingdom of God. But that's part of his nature, and sometimes... It's, his mind is so reprobate, they don't even know they're lying. They don't even know other people see their lying. Christians lie all of the time. So, th- th- that's we see that in the church that uh, many are use these terminologies, uh, many of them say about Christian, but you have to judge for yourself. You have to be wide open, you have to have a discernment. That's why you need to be able to be in Christ so you can start seeing from his perspective. Notice that uh, the apostle advises us to quit lying and to replace it with speaking the truth, as well as to stop stealing and start working so that we can have to give to others. So that's a negative and a positive. You stop doing this, you start doing these things. But it's hard to just quit lying. If you a liar, it's hard to quit lying. The spirit has to work with you, but you have to die to that You You have to die to who that is. You have to die to that man. That's a man. That's in you. That's within your members. You have to die to that. You have to put it to death. That's something you need to do put it to death. This process of conversion with God's help through his spirit, it says forsaking our sinful nature and all of its destructive behaviors and then taking on the godly nature and its constructive behaviors. This is how God is creating his image within us. Now a lot of people are fearful. They're fearful of their Spouses, their children, their parents, relatives. In other words, the fear of man. The Bible tells us the fear of man is a snare. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of boldness. These are a lot of things that we need to pray for. We need to say, God, I can see. That I'm afraid in these situations. I can't control these things. These things have me so I'm not living up to your standard of what I should be doing. I can't make up my own mind. Other people are making up my mind for me. After a while you get to so, that you so reprobate, you so dull of hearing that you can't do these things. Christians have been called to a wonderful destiny, but it's not without sacrifice. Everything comes with a sacrifice. And and so I says we present our bodies as a living sacrifice because it's going to cost us. And sometimes we can't count the cost because we don't know what it's going to cost us. But you have to be willing to lose everything, even your own life. We were called to die to our old lives, that is the old man, and to seek and embrace an entirely new way of life. That is the life of God. Now that life doesn't just come willy-nilly. It comes if we successfully work through this process of salvation, during which we are converted or transformed into our Creator's image, then we will be resurrected in glory at Christ's return. But he keeps telling us we must overcome. We have to overcome. We, he says... We need to be overcomers. So we have to struggle to overcome. Jesus Christ is everything to us. He's our all in all, and without him we could do nothing. He is the one, the new man, and we are all trying to put him on. We're trying to put Christ on, and it consistently tells us to put on Christ and pull off the old man. It is Christ that should be living in us. It Christ living in us both to will and to do. Our will has to be put aside. It has to die. Amen. This is what Second Corinthians 3.18 proclaims. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is a process that... We're saying this, but everyone is not being transformed. Fear is hindering them not doing the will of God, not walking in the way, not walking by faith. They are not increasing toward more godliness. And Peter says... We need to increase in godliness, increase in knowledge, increase in virtue. All of these things have to come about by ever-increasing faith. That is, faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit working in us, we are being converted from the glory of man to the glory of God. Now, that's an awesome feat. That's an awesome feat, but... It's so magnificent how many people can't comprehend that. That's beyond their comprehension. As he told the apostles, he says, there are many other things I have to tell you, but you're not able to receive that now. You're not able to receive some of the things the Lord has to say at this point in time. Uh, the apostle John writes in 1 John 3, 2-3, says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Well, how can we end up purifying? That is, we have to rest in him, and I tell you that rest in Hebrews If we want to enter into his rest, that's a Sabbath rest. That's depending on him that doeth the works. Casting all our cares and burdens upon him. Taking his yoke upon us and continuing in his word. Trusting and believing in his word. He's our Sabbath. Christ is our Sabbath. And every day is a Sabbath day in Christ. That's why that rest that we enter into, that Sabbath day that's reflected when God rested, we want to enter into that rest, the Sabbath would sanctify you. The Sabbath was refreshing. It it was set apart to sanctify you. It's a holy day, and nobody can make another day holy. That's why it says, if you would turn away from your feet from trampling on my sabbaths following after your pleasures and these other things, does the sabbath day, does that sabbath day of the week, is that a different day or do you find yourself, oh, well, i got to do all these for the grandkids. i got to do all these things for my wife. I need to do the store because I'm not working this day. It's a million things you have to do. When I could give God an hour and go to church. Well, As you grow in God, you find out that you're trampling on his sabbaths that you don't understand and you hadn't come to that knowledge. But some things you can't preach from the pulpit. Jesus Christ said to Simon Peter, he didn't preach. When Simon Peter says, thou art the Christ. Well, that wasn't something Simon Peter had did. Jesus realized that God the Father had revealed that unto Peter yes. you see and that's how we can tell that's why I say we see a false Christianity a false Christian nationalism evolving you're coming into being but if you're not in Christ Jesus he says Isaiah some's going to not see and not understand you can't see what's happening you're blinded. the blind's leading the blind yep. so you have to be careful here because these things, it's a mystery. And I told you, a mystery is something that Jesus has to reveal unto you. The mystery of godliness comes at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But that only hereby comes as the Spirit take it what is His. That is, what is Jesus Christ? And it reveals it to you. That's the Spirit's job. The indwelling spirit is to reveal the things of Christ unto you. It's the only way you can find them out. The two apostles agree perfectly. We are in the process of transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. And this conversion requires us to purify ourselves, to refine our lives to the righteousness and holiness of Christ. Peter says, Be ye holy, because he is holy. Yes. We have to follow after holiness. Holiness is purity. Certainly a tall order for us, but one that God promised to assist us in fulfilling by his Spirit. That's why he says, I send a promise unto you. The Spirit is the promise. The promise of, of the, that's his promise. The Holy Spirit, that other comforter. And that's going to shape and mold you. It's going to bring you into, lead you and guide you into all truths. But there are a lot of us quenching and grieving that spirit, and no wonder we're not riding on the high places in the high mountains and inherit the things of Jacob. Genesis two one through three says, "So the heavens and earth were completed, and all their host." And by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested. That is, ceased on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. it set it apart as his own. That is, set apart as from other days he put this one aside. Now, teachings and things now say, well, he changed that in the New Testament the Sunday and he rose on Sunday, and you just have to believe the philosophies of man that he tying is in because of the resurrection. It's like, okay, do you have any scripture on that? Something that throughout the old testament, throughout all of God's teaching, he says he never changed, he's immutable. But you are telling me he changed this without telling anybody that what you what he sent them into captivity for for 70 years. But for not keeping the Sabbath, you say he done away with that Sabbath, and now all of that's been changed to another day, without you know any any kind of hoopla, bells and whistles, and you say now we have to celebrate his birthday. Now there's a resurrection and all of this on Easter thing that you didn't got twisted up because I, I, I can understand why he says three days and three nights he was in the grave. But how can you get that if you say they crucified him on Good Friday and he rose Sunday morning? I heard a guy trying to explain away the preparation today. day. And I said, as a preacher, it has to be some older people or some people in the audience that understand. He don't even know what the preparation day was. It was a day before the high Sabbath. It was a day before the holy Sabbath. There are different Sabbaths. It was two Sabbaths in that year that Jesus was crucified. But he, but like I say, I don't want to belabor those points because we leave that to someone else to teach them. Go get that from those that buy and sell or whatever. We have to go on further because you have to. Well, anyhow, he says because in it he rested from his all his work which he had created and done. God sanctified a holiday, the seventh day, that is the Sabbath. It takes a holy God to make holy time. And He made no time holy other than His weekly and annual Sabbaths. That's the you only know, And He tells us the prophets and priests, a lot of them lie on it and say, God did this, God did that. No, we have His word as to what God did. Now, you can do as Adam and Eve, let the serpent or someone deceive you. But we have God's word. Do you have that in writing? As to that, day changed. Do you have that in writing that God made another day holy? Though people can be made holy by God, they cannot make something holy because they do not possess a holiness that can be transferred to anything. Remember, they were asking the priest that in the book of Balakai about carrying holy meat in his skirts or whatever. If it touched something, could it be made holy? Now since only a holy God can holler something, any day other than what God has made holy, even though billions of people throughout history have said the Sunday is the Lord's day and that's the new Sabbath, it doesn't necessarily make it holy. It just means Satan has deceived the whole world. The whole world is operating on the unbelief. No day can be holy except that that one God made holy. And he told us which one he made holy and set apart from the rest of. But show me where he comes back and say, you know, all through this I've told y'all I had made this day holy. I'm changing my mind. This one is no longer holy. I'm going to change it to this one over here. But I digress. This means that the Sabbath is worthy of respect deference, and even devotion that cannot be given to any other period of time. If I say I'm going to meet you somewhere Saturday at 10 o'clock and you decide to meet Sunday at 10 or Monday at 10, aren't you going to miss me if you're not there Saturday at 10? You can't decide which day that you're going to meet me if we've set a time. It is set apart for sacred use because it is derived directly from him and made holy where? At creation. Jesus always takes us back to creation and tells us what was so in the beginning, what God did in the beginning. That's where scripture comes from. Because of God's assignment of the word holy to the Sabbath, this day is changed into something special. Even though it's part of the cycle of the week, the Sabbath is separate from the other six days. God set it apart from those days. It is different from the common and ordinary, and that's what Nahab and Abihu did. They, profaned, they used profane fire and offered up strange fire on the altar, and God killed them for it. Because he says, take it only from this altar here. And that's what we've done. We're profaning his sabbaths. Read the scriptures. That's what he says man is doing. He's profaning his holy day. Now what happens is with the profanation of that holy day and making another day holy, you're making another day and you worship it on that day and God's not accepting your worship. That's why he say away with your sabbaths! away with your solemn assemblies. I cannot smell them. I don't want to hear because they are yours. They're not his. The seventh day Sabbath is a day God has reserved for man's benefit for special things, different things, that is, spiritual things. That's why I say, try not to let your spouse, your children, your parents, or anyone else crowd stuff into your Sabbath day. Because, like I say, you will pay an answer before God, and then you will get before God and say, well, Daddy wouldn't stand up more. My husband or my wife, my children... They wouldn't stand up if they believed this. If they believed you, why they didn't stand up and fight for you? Why they didn't remove, remain steadfast and immovable in the faith? That means God hadn't showed them, oh, you're not strong enough to stand for God. You won't stand for something God had shown you. The Sabbath is not holy merely because God assigned it as such, as though by itself, if we truly fear God, that should be enough. If we fear God, by God setting that one apart, that's enough for me. But it's not enough for you to come tell me something else. I don't want to hear it. Mm. How do things become holy? Even things like the soil of the ground or in this case, time. The Bible shows that become holy because he puts his presence in him. Remember he told Moses, he says, Moses, the ground that you stand on is holy ground. Yeah. Take off your shoe. His presence was in that part of the soil, mm. but notice though, it was in that particular part of the soil. Yes, it wasn't yeah. everywhere else, yeah. because why? He had yeah. cursed the ground because of Adam. Yeah. It was going to bring forth thorns and thistles. But he was in that part of the ground, just like the Garden of Eden, since it was a paradise, a holy abode he had to put man out of it because man had become unholy. So he couldn't have him living in that paradise. To open up paradise again, he needs a restoration or reconciliation back to God. Mm. By the fact of his presence, they become a spiritual creation. So by God's spirit within us, We become spiritual because our body is the temple of God. For him to dwell in that temple, he has to purge it and cleanse it. It can't remain with all of that in us that we carry around. It has to be purged. It has to be cleansed. This is a process we have to allow. We have to put self to death, these things to death. God's presence is in the weekly sabbath as well as in the annual sabbaths but we don't do the the annual sabbaths was the the handwriting of ordinance a or ceremonial which came later on yep. so we don't want to group that in that because when Paul was talking about sabbath days and things, there are groups that have, have observed the feast days and certain holy days that's no longer applicable that's the handwriting of ordinance that came with Judaism. The annual Sabbath wasn't a part of that. We'll see that the annual Sabbath was given later. We're talking about the seventh day Sabbath, which does is not even the same word. I, what, can I pronounce that word, Shabbat, or however that word is pronounced for the seventh day? That's not Jewish now. The Jews are the ones who observed it, and he gave it as a commandment as part of Jewish, Jewish Jewish, law. But the Sabbath, he says, remember, because it goes back to creation before there was a Jew. Luke writes, so Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood to read. When did he go into the into the synagogue on the Sabbath day? Uh, Jesus kept the weekly Sabbath as well as the other. And then the reason he may have, and they try to group the annual sabbaths there, but Jesus probably would have shown them about those annual sabbaths along with the sacrifice. You remember he was the last sacrifice. He was the sacrificial lamb. That's why the temple was the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. That he had done away with sacrifices and all of these other ordinances. That's why it says the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, but you still have some seven-day Adventists and some different groups uh, that came out of Herbert Armstrong or whatever. That talk about the annual Sabbaths, the Feast of Tabernacles and all of these day things, which he showed us was a shadow of things to come. but we have to be circumspect in preaching and teaching on those things but we're focusing on the Sabbath and like I say, this is this covers so much territory we can't branch off into into that and take on those chase those rabbits tonight. Mm -hmm. The book of Acts reports the Apostle Paul in the New Testament church keeping the weekly Sabbaths, even the Gentiles. Noting Noting in the Bible, nothing in the Bible changes the day God set aside and made holy at creation. And now they're smart enough to say, yeah, Saturday is the Sabbath, but he changed worship, the Lord's day, to the first day of the week. But what job or where do you go on that you rest before you work? Mm. Hmm? (laughs) Why would he change it to the first? Who rests before they work? They say, well, look, we're going to pay you and then you can work. I don't know how that works out now. The Catholic Church publicly lays claim to changing the day of worship to Sunday and charges the Protestant churches with following their lead which is correct, and we can go back to when St. Augustine entered this in into the Roman providence. And if you're searching and seeking for the truth, there's a lot of reading, and you'll see all these things to the ones that are searching to find God and to find the truth. But if you're just trying to put an hour of worship in here, a half an hour here, and then go about your business or whatever, maybe you should start taking that Sabbath day and be with God and ask God to show you much more. That's the day he've appointed. If you would come on the Sabbath day and be in the presence of God, he'll meet with you that day. That's the day that you can research and read and study and ask God that I'm here for the appointment. You said this is a day of rest. This is a day of worship and fellowship with you. Well, I'm here for the fellowship with you. I couldn't get to reading and studying much this week, but agenda. I was taking my grandkids. I had to go to work. I had to do this. My wife wanted me to do this. My husband wanted me to do this. I was so busy with the children. But this is your day. This is this time is for you. That makes you feel better when somebody set out a time and said, well look, everything is behind. This is the time for me and you. This is dedicated for just you and I. And that's what God does. He personally invites us to a time with him. That appointment is the Sabbath. Mm, yes. Don't miss that appointment. A Sabbath is a day of relieving and burdens. And that's why Jesus was going around healing the sick and doing all these things on the Sabbath to, Sabbath to people with chronic illness. But the, the Pharisees had developed some thousands of laws and things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And a lot of people say, oh, you on the Sabbath and that's a burden. And you trying to keep the law and do all this? And it says, what did we read there in, in the book? He, he delights in the Sabbath, who yes. finds the Sabbath a delight. I'm looking forward to the Sabbaths. I look forward to Sabbath days. Mm-hmm. His will being done. Every day is starting to be more and more. The, the fight gets easier. It may be chaos within it. It's never going to be like eating lettuce. But as you get strong in Christ, you start getting to where you see what's going on and you come closer and closer to Him. 1 Kings 12 and 14 is a story about Solomon. He had taxed the people. It says, Thy Father made our yoke grievous. 1 Kings 12 and 4. Thine father made our yoke grievous, now therefore make thou the grievous service of thine father, and his heavy yoke which he put upon us lighter, and we will serve you. Uh, Though Solomon may have been the wisest man who ever lived, many of those projects and all of that temple and the stuff that he was doing was very costly. So he was taxing the people. And the people didn't say, well, look, you just put, we're not going to serve you. But they're saying if you would just lighten the load, lighten the burden a little bit. See, and that's what we do. We go around lightening people's load, lightening people's burden. That's what the Sabbath is for, to relieve burdens, to help people. Once you're doing something for somebody else, now I'm not. That's why I say you have to be led by the Spirit of the Lord because some people say, Yeah, well, that's why I'm doing all this. I'm running a cab service. I take this for a year. I'm working. No, now this is unnecessary. You're not proving a point that you're serving God. That's why I say I can't, and as a pastor, a preacher, I don't say what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. I do as the pastor that was here before me, as I learned from he used to say, Brother Jackson, be led by the Spirit of the Lord. Because you have to give account. Now, I can tell you that you shouldn't be doing stuff of your pleasure and stuff and have people to set aside stuff to fill up your sabbath day with you have to tell people look you know that that's my sabbath day that i want to do less as possible now less unless this is a mercy i just had to do it don't come asking me to take you nowhere don't come asking me to do anything for you mm. this is my sabbath mm-hmm. yeah. yes. when people had first asked for a king more than a century before this God had warned them that th- that would happen. That's what a king would do. And that's what preaching does. As the beginning of this chapter, it says, Warn my people, show them, cry loud and spare not, show them their transgressions and sins. Now, if I warn you and tell you what sin is and tell you how you sin against God, If you let some of your family members, if you let some relative or somebody on the church, in the church, or some associates, or friend, cause you to be lost, I've showed you your transgression as he told Ezekiel, I've made you a watchman. Now, if you warned, man, if you didn't preach and talk this, the blood is not on your hands. I can't make you be a man. I, I can't make anyone be a man. They have... They have to ask God to do that. We should always be careful of what we ask for. Loving service is greater than ritual fulfillment. But what loving service was Jesus and his disciples performing on the Sabbath? Well, they had been working and doing all this thing. And so they came through the cane fields and they was rubbing their hands together with corn in their hand, eating corn or whatever. And they had been healing and going on. So Jesus kind of stood up for him and told the Pharisees what David had did when he was hungry. It wasn't like they purposely sat down uh, two or three days of the week and wasn't doing anything and say, Well, look, it's Sabbath day. Let's go run through this cornfield and eat us some corn to show we could eat corn. Mercy, that's what God's trying to show us, what is mercy. And that's why Jesus did acts of mercy when he healed the paraplegic, when he healed the man that had the palsy, when he healed the blind man. He was showing them that mercy comes before strict legalism. In other words, the Sabbath, you've direct, the Pharisees, through their legalism, just like he told them about honor their parents or whatever in Corbett, you've taken the law and explained it and made it something that it's not. And that's what Christian nationalism. There's a movie coming out that Rob Reiner has coming out on February the 14th or 16th. Uh, I think it's God and Country or something. Mm -hmm. But even the secular world, and I think he may be an atheist. But even the secular world can see things that's not of God. You remember they said the devils believe and tremble? Yes. So we see that this nation is gone. We see this, this state has a problem because people are thinking their religion and their political views are synonymous with God. That's the problem. Yes. That's Christian nationalism. That's why the nation has to, it is divided. It is sharply divided. It is only gonna take God to put the world back together. As I preached and taught several years back that the Arab Spring, the last place that it would be, would be here in this nation. Mm. And now it's here. Mm. We have a divided nation. And with this election coming up, the 2024 election, we're seeing the demise of America as we know it. Just like they say the demise of the Republican Party, we see the demise of the nation as we know it coming up with this election. Mercy is doing helpful acts, acts of love, aid, comfort, pity. And sympathy for others in distress. All these works help relieve a person's burden. But the thing that's missing is perception. Perception that is being able to see something from God's perspective. Yeah. That's having the spirit reveal this to your human spirit so that it can be true empathy. They, the Pharisees didn't have that perspective failing to grasp the spirit of the fourth commandment, they created hundreds and thousands of do's and don'ts to define the letter of the law. But by Christ's time, their fanaticism had grown to the point where the Sabbath had become in and of itself an object of worship. Just like what National Christianity is doing with Sunday now, mm-hmm. if This president, if one person that's elected get in, he may try to institute that everybody worship on Sunday. He may I heard some woman in Arizona, Senator Something talking about if we do all this on Sunday, and they're not realizing why did the pilgrims come to this nation. It was because of religious persecution they wasn't allowed to worship the way they wanted to. So Satan and twist the tables. he invaded the church. His ministers, of ministers, have transformed in themselves into ministers of light. Now most of the mega churches and the ecumenical movement, the evangelists and things, are of, of, of apostate. It's it's apostate. The it's lost here in this nation that's why they they keep showing the Pew research numbers that less people are going into organized religion now because you can see it has apostatized heavenly father as we come before you this night lord god we ask you to strengthen us to be able to see to be able to understand your word to understand your way lord to be strong in you lord god to be able to honor your Sabbath, Lord God, to walk and keep it holy, Lord God, to delight ourselves in your Sabbath day, Lord God. Help us to keep your Sabbath by through grace and truth, Lord God. Help us and write it up on the up on our hearts, Lord God. Inscribe it there, Lord God. Help us to lean not to our own understanding, not be carried away with this other Jesus that's being introduced in this nation, Lord God. Lord God, that there's there's a curse upon them, Lord God, a curse upon that religion, Lord God, because it draws away from your holy day, Lord God, from your Sabbath day, Lord God, from the day you had created and set apart as holy. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.